catch the swallow by flying, so the curse causeless shall not come. Now, we know from the word in Galatians, you remember this, that we're redeemed from the curse of the law. It says that in Galatians 3, 13, 14, so that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles, that's me and you. We might receive the promise of the Spirit by faith, the promise that God promised Abraham, really. And so we know we're redeemed or delivered from the curse. So he's telling us here, that the curse causeless, if we don't give a cause for it, it won't come. So then by evaluating that thinking, we'd have to say there must be a cause why the curse is in your life. If it's in it, it's not supposed to be. And there must be something, now listen to me carefully, on our side of it that needs to be corrected or adjusted or whatever, however you'd like to word that. doesn't matter to me as long as you get the concept. God's not changing. No, me and you got to do the changing. If anything's going to change, it's got to be me and you. And that's not a hard thing because the Holy Spirit is our helper to help us change. And more importantly than just helping us change, He's the one that's going to reveal what needs to be changed. You know, at least you automatically assume that you're just in good shape. I'd like to believe everybody is in good shape, but you know, I just know humans and I know people and I know myself. I have to be reminded of things constantly in my life. I don't know about you. Maybe you're just smarter than me, more spiritual than I am, way above me in spiritual activity. But I just need to be reminded constantly of what's mine and how to attain it and how to walk in it. So I'm talking to somebody here today. We know from the New Testament. Let's go over here a minute. Just for I didn't plan to include this, but I think I will now. I won't get into it too deeply, but I want to give you another New Testament scripture that goes along with Proverbs 26.2, and that's 1 Corinthians 11. 1 Corinthians 11, verse, uh, let's begin in verse uh, 27. 1 Corinthians 11.27, I want you to see it's in your New Testament, same concept that I just spoke to you about from Proverbs 26.2, the curse cause less shall not come. So what I'm saying is there has to be a cause, or we can say a better word to put in that, a reason why people get sick. If I'm redeemed from the curse, how come I had to go to quick care? If I'm redeemed from the curse, how come I have to? Well, I don't know the reasons. You have to figure that out as I teach this, and I may not get it all taught today, but I just know this, there's a cause. And I know, secondly, if you don't fix the cause, it's coming back. And it just keeps repeating itself, sometimes with greater dominion from the devil than what you had the first time. You know, because Jesus said, now go and sin no more, at least the worst thing come unto you. So once I correct something, whatever the error has been or the reason's been or the, the you know, the open door that I let for the devil to get in, i got to close that door and i got to bolt it. I got to be sure I don't open that door again through neglect or lack of diligence or whatever you want to call it. And then I need to go around and make sure all my doors are shut. I'm talking spiritually. Because there has to be a reason why the enemy's getting in if he's getting in at all. If he's getting in financially, I'm not so much talking about that now. I did during the offering some. But, you know, you've got to realize you need to shut the doors. Let's read it here, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-seven. I'm going to start there and read down through here a little bit. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat. So what I want to say here, God always wants us to examine ourselves so that we can partake. That's the key to this scripture. Let a man examine himself so that he can partake of the Lord's Supper. Whatever corrections you need to make, it's always to get you available to enter into a level that you couldn't enter in if you didn't make the change. So we just need to understand that. For he that eateth and drink, verse 29, he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eats and drink damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, many... Not a few, many are weak, 
sickly among you, and many sleep or die prematurely. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. So he says, for this cause, what's the cause? Not discerning the Lord's body. What does that mean? Well, I think it's twofold. I think it's discerning what Jesus did on the cross for us in his body. Hallelujah. Notice that it didn't discern the body. It didn't say it didn't discern the blood. It didn't discern the body of Jesus. He bore our sicknesses. That's number one revelation. The other part is you've got to discern your part in the body as it relates to where you fit and as it relates to me, how you fit with me or you don't fit or whatever. You know, I'm just talking. I'm going to give you some chapters and verses on these things eventually. But I'm trying to show you there had to be a cause. And when things start happening that are not God's will, but nonetheless we've let them happen for whatever cause we've allowed it, the reason, then the first thing that's going to happen, we're going to get weak. Now, you can take it in every dimension you want to, weak in your marriage, weak in your body, weak in your mind, weak in your finances. You can take it in. But I'm talking about physical healing today primarily. So you begin to get weak. If you don't correct it at that level, it moves to sickly. And you get healed of one thing, but then you're right back, you know, dealing with other stuff. And then if you don't correct it at that level, then premature death. Really, sickness and disease, really, it's just premature death. That's all it is. That's all sickness and It's just a premature death trying to work in your system. Now, some things won't kill you immediately, but if you were sick all the time, you might want to die after a long period of time. Why would you want to live? to show you from your New Testament. Now, I'm over in the letters now. I'm not talking about the Gospels. I'm talking about the letters. That there's causes. Pastor Nancy wrote a great book on causes where she deals with a lot of, I think, 26 or 7 causes, if I remember right. I don't remember exactly how many, but I think I heard doctors say that one time. Dr. Dufresne. So, we've got to learn to close the door on these causes. Now, one thing we've got to do, let me show you something in Romans chapter 3. Now, we'll get a little deeper this time than normal, I think. Romans 3, I'd like you to look at a verse over here with me. Romans chapter 3, verse 3 and 4. For what if some, Romans 3 and 3, what if some did not believe? Well, what about it? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? Of course, the answer would be no. People don't have to believe God. You can believe whatever you want to believe. But, I mean, you're not very smart if you want to believe something other than the Word. There's no such thing as not believing anything. Just trust me. I know humans, and I know the Bible, and people are thinking something all the time. And they're believing something all the time. If they don't believe the Bible, they believe in their own intelligence that's going to put them over, or their own wisdom, or their own smartness, or their own schemes that they come up with things fail. You know, you could either keep banging your head or listen to me. Those things fail if you don't got them by the Holy Ghost. I don't care what you do. They'll fail. Because they don't have the anointing on them to last. But this is what I wanted us to see. What if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? Of course not. It does not make the faith of God without effect. It makes it of effect to them because they don't believe it. But God forbid, yea, let God be true, but every man a liar, as it is written, that thou mayest be justified in thy sayings, and mightest overcome when thou art judged. So what I'm saying to you here, in essence, is you cannot interpret the Bible by people. You're in trouble if you're already doing that. Well, I know so-and-so, and he did this, and da-da-da-da-da. Well, you don't know so-and-so. Don't give me that. You just may think you know so-and-so. I've been in this a long time. I've seen people live together, husband and wife, for 30 years and just hate each other's guts and get divorced. Somebody said, well, I just can't believe that. I don't know why you can't believe it. See, there was issues there that never got resolved, and they just got tired of living like that. See, are you listening? And you can't interpret what other people you thought knew God, you thought prayed, you thought knew the Word. You can't interpret the Bible by them. you got to interpret the Bible by the Bible. And he says he bore all of our sicknesses, all of our diseases, and we're finding out today there's causes why sickness 
possess. We've been redeemed from it, but we've got to renew our minds to that and walk in upright before the Lord and not interpret the Bible by what somebody else did with it. Yeah, I've had people say to me, well, I know so-and-so. They were word people just like you. Well, I don't know if they were word people just like me. Do you even know me yet? Besides that, I buried him at 41. What do you mean they believe God like me? I'm 65. I didn't die at 41. Let's get this straight. All right. I'm not. See, you know, you know anytime I want to reject all this, I can just go ahead and die. I wouldn't have any other option but that eventually if you're not paying attention. But what we're saying is you don't interpret the Bible by other people and what they said they did with it. You're going to get very confused. I know people mean well, and they talk right when they're under the gun, and they talk right if they're talking to me normally because they feel like that's what I want them to say. But I want you to talk right. Of course I do. Don't misunderstand. I don't want you to be an idiot. I don't want you to talk wrong and enforce the curse further in your life. But at the same time, let's don't get misled by what somebody says about something versus what the Bible teaches about something got to learn not to interpret the Bible by people. You, you let people, they can, you could watch their life if they're a good example, or you could follow them, I would say. That'd be good, but let's be careful that we don't think something that's not true in a setting. And, you know, let me go back here to Deuteronomy 29, since you brought that up. Thank you, whoever, whoever just did that. I'm glad you're talking to me. Deuteronomy 29, 29, I want you to see something here. saying this is a catch-all verse, but it does catch a lot of stuff, because you don't know. I said you don't know. I don't know. Unless God shows you something, you, you barely know yourself sometimes. You're not even accurate in judging yourself. I'm just talking in generic terms here. Be listening to me. You can learn something. You, know, you can deceive your own self. But what I'm saying is there's lots of things that we don't know. Uh, recently, you know, we, 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 we did a funeral for a little baby, and it, it's a terrible thing. A terrible thing have to bury your child. And there's people in here that have done that. But you know, I don't know why that child didn't make it. And my wife asked a couple later because they did some kind of, you know, forensic work, I think, and said, did they ever tell you anything? Nope, they said they didn't. says not all cast their young, but sometimes they do, and there's normally a reason why. I don't know the reason. I'm not blaming people. I'm trying to be compassionate with people. But I just know this, according to Deuteronomy 29.29, the secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of this law or all the words of God, the secret things belong. That means there's things between God and people that are secret. It's none of your business. None of my business. Unless God tells me something. I mean, a few, a few of the people that I buried over the years, God dealt with me later because I said, Father, this isn't right. Now, I'd like you to tell me what the issue is. And sometimes he'll say, well, this is part of it. And the rest of it's secret between me and them. So I just stick my nose in there and try to get him to tell me something that's none of my business. And he's told me that a few times because, you know, I was really up in his grill, so to speak, about a certain person I remember many years ago. And he said, that's none of your business, Michael. You just stay out of that. That's between me and them. You did your part, didn't you? I said, well, I think I did, didn't I? He said, you sure did. But I'm not going to tell you what the reason is. some things between individuals and God are private. And unless God wants to reveal that to us, then it's none of our business. And I would say, secondly, sometimes I've known some things about people that I dare not reveal to anybody. At least he quit talking to me about secret things. 
about things that maybe the average person never never investigated about. But I'm interested to find out if somebody, you know, passes young. and I, I try to figure out, well, what caused that? Because I know there was a cause somewhere. I'm just talking to you. Don't get hung up on things. That's what I'm trying to say to you. Don't get hung up on things. So let's talk a little bit here about staying out of the curse and things that people do sometimes that allow the curse to come. So are you with me? Okay, so there's some things that are secret between God and those people, and it's none of our business unless he reveals it. And then sometimes, you know, I've just noticed this, and Brother Hagin confirmed it. I was reading some of his material recently, that if you start blabbing everything God shows you, he'll quit talking to you, especially if it involves other people. You know, and there are carnal people in the church. You do know that, right? Fleshly, natural gossips, inquisitive, inquiring minds want to know. And you know what? I'm being as sweet as I can be. It's none of your business. You just better stay out of that. And if God does show you something, you better not be telling other church members about it. You'll be in trouble with God and maybe me too. But I'd be worried about being in trouble with God first telling things that you... And some people, because they're natural and carnal, they presume this was the reason. Or they assume. Or their perception is. See, but your perception is only regulated by how spiritual you are or lack of it. How close you walk with God. How much you know the Spirit. How much you can evaluate what you think God said to you by the Word of God. Because He's not going to violate this. Well, I'm preaching really good. You're not saying nothing. You all look like you're just a... What's he talking about, Ethel? You ought to be paying attention. Don't ask Ethel. Get it yourself, Bert. Hallelujah. So, let's talk about these things. First of all, let's go to the book of Psalms 66. And uh, I know we don't like to talk about this because we're a word church. Psalm 66, verse 18 through 20, but let's look at something here that might be a possible reason why things happen, and we're going to try to investigate a couple issues today. I don't think I'll near get done with it, and uh, I'll have to see what I can do to, to get this taught before the end of the year. I guess I might drop drift over into January. That'd be all right, too. I've got a different series coming, in, I think, on healing in January, but anyway, nonetheless... It says here in Psalm 66, verse 18, If I regard iniquity in my heart, iniquity is sin, the Lord will not hear me. The Lord will not hear me. So here's an issue, thinking about it, as sinning. You know, if you're sinning and you know it, stop it. And repent for it. And there's mercy for you and me. Praise God. Remember he said, come boldly to the throne of grace that you may obtain mercy. God's not going to beat us up, but if we're sinning, our, your spirit knows that. Your head doesn't always, but your spirit knows there's a violation going on. And your spirit, your own spirit will condemn you. God doesn't condemn you because he justifies us. But your own spirit that's reborn, that's in, in cahoots with God who lives in you, your own spirit's been reborn, and it's sensitive, at least when you first get born again, unless you violate it over and over. And if you're doing something you know you shouldn't do or not doing something God's told you to do, how about that? That's sin. Then you just have to realize if I'm sinning, it says here that God's not going to hear me. Now let's go over to James a minute. James 4, let me, let me bring some clarity about sin. Because everybody has an opinion about it. Kind of like everybody's got a heart. James chapter 4, verse 17. Let's read this, and then I've got another comment to make about this that will help us, I think. Uh, James 4, 17 says, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, or to do what's right, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So some of, your, some of this thing about sin is somewhat uh, relevant to your knowledge of the Word and where you're at in God. You know, let's say you're a baby Christian, a bona fide baby Christian. We've talked to you about this. And I was listening to Brother Hagin talk about the same thing last night. When you're a bona fide Christian, sometimes the pastor can carry you on his faith or her faith and get you healed, get you delivered, and get stuff off of you for 
you know, a little period of time, maybe a year or two, maybe three or four. I'm not sure about that. It might be different in different churches, but where the Word's being taught. But then after a while, God expects you to grow up. And I'll answer a question for you. That's why sometimes when new people come into church here and they get in all the prayer lines, they normally can get it easily and quickly from me as their pastor because I'm carrying them as a bona fide baby Christian. You know, it says desire if you're you know desire to sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Well, that's just the milk. But after they get into church, well, we can put some veggies with that and put a little piece of filet mignon in there and a nice piece of fish every once in a while, some chicken. And get you to grow up. But see, after you have had plenty of time to grow up and you won't quit doing something or you won't you won't even study with me, then all of a sudden you struggle. You get in the prayer line, you go, why didn't you get nothing? Pastor Jacobs must not have it anymore. Or Dr. Dufresne may not have it anymore. Whoever else we have through here that's going to pray for you and minister to you through it. And it may not be them at all. Maybe you. Maybe you done doing what you should have done to stay current with the spirit in the church and the spirit the pastors endeavored to teach you. I'm not driving you. I'm smart. Smarter than you give me credit sometimes. But anyway, Genesis 33, 13 says, Don't drive the sheep too far, and one day you'll kill the young. I'd like to teach you deeper things sometimes, and sometimes I slip a little bit in on you, but I don't try to choke you. Only if you're resistant to change does that feel like that, because you're just such a baby and a backslidden believer that everything chokes you. Well, moving right along. Thank you, Dr. Jacobs. You're welcome. I'm trying to help you be well and stay well and be whole and stay whole. You can either listen or just keep being sick. I'm trying to help you. I really do want you to be healed and whole and well. And, you know, and, and uh, so I'm just trying to help answer some questions that you may have. So for him that knows to do good and doesn't do it, to him it's sin. Just interesting thought there didn't say sin in one area, just said sin. So you could be doing things, maybe either omitting things, not doing things that God's dealt with you to do, because you just got a better idea, or you just don't want to comply, and after a while, that's going to cost you. I'm not threatening you. That's not my objective at all. I'm just trying to help you to see that judgment will come eventually if you don't pay attention to what I'm teaching you. I'm trying to cover this whole subject. Don't look at me like I'm too hard today. I'm being very gentle with you. But I'm just being thorough with you because I don't want to be in less than that because I'm going to be judged for what I've taught you when I get to heaven. And I'm just trying to be thorough. And somebody's got to answer some of these questions. Unless we just don't care. We're just playing charismatic bell church, you know. the hub in the middle of the wheel. That's long gone, folks. Bury it. It's dead. There is a dancing in the Spirit and a running in the Spirit and a praising in the Spirit and all of that, but it's got to be in the Spirit, not just charismatic bill. I went through that in the 70s and 80s. Hallelujah. So to him that knows to do the right thing and doesn't do it, and sometimes you just know intuitively what to do because the Holy Spirit's living in you. That, that's part of it, but it, the more words you have, the more you'll be, you know, accountable to that word. You know, you wouldn't believe intelligent people would talk this way to me. But I've had a few stupid people, unfortunately, that say, I don't like going to your church because i got to be responsible for what you teach. I said, well, what would you like, to stay a baby your whole life and never do nothing for God? Jerk that pacifier out of your mouth. Put that blanket down under your seat. Make some room for some new births. I'm tired of having a nursery. And no, nobody in the nursery wants to give up their bed or their bottle. That's my bottle. I'm going to fight you over it to keep it. Well, that's fine when you first come because you are a baby. Whether you acknowledge it or not, you want to be 57 and still be a baby. But nonetheless, eventually you need to throw that pacifier in the trash. I think it was Jordan, if I remember right, and he finally said to his mother, here, take this. I don't need that no more. You know, I don't know how old he was, seven or eight, but no, I'm just... 
I'm just teasing. But he did he did say to his mom, I don't need this anymore. He was three, mom says, ah, whatever. Anyway, you know, we're just talking here. It's evident we haven't got very much, you know, revelation in you, and that's probably my fault on evangelism because you don't ever bring anybody hardly. So I'm going to need your help this next year. You come the last three days of the year, uh, minus the 31st, the 28th, 29th, and 30th. I'm going to be talking about what we can expect this next year, and we may talk a little bit about evangelism. I don't know. But we're talking about sin right now. We're talking... And see, let's go to Luke a minute. Luke 12, Luke 12, 48. You learn anything today? I'm just trying to get this taught, and I've got a lot more, but we'll, we may take a few more things and then have to reserve the rest for the next session. But Luke 12, 48, the B part of this verse, I'll read the whole verse. We're not talking about the first part. At least you think I'm going to beat somebody. But he that knew not and did commit things worthy of strife shall be beaten few stripes. For unto whomsoever much is given, this is it, unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall be much required. So when you come to a church like this, and we don't just play with it, we try to teach you thoroughly and, and rightly divide the word, and I study to show myself approved unto God, and say, Father, what would you have me to minister? Uh, then you should be appreciative to that. And realize that I'm giving you a lot more than maybe some. Because some, first of all, don't know this. And others don't practice it. It really don't do you any good to know something if you don't practice it, I can tell you that. But anyway, nonetheless, <laughs> I'm trying to give you a, a full con. And, you know, God dealt with me about our children particularly. Of course, all of you can receive and respond and listen. It won't hurt you even if you walk in divine health. Everything I've said will help you continue. Just pouring fuel on the, what you already have. But for some, it may answer some questions if you have questions, because it says, uh, To whom men have, uh, let me see, let me see here, to whom much is given, of him shall be much required, and to whom men have committed much, of him they'll ask the more. So, you know, there's a right for me to ask more of you if I've committed more to you. That's just real simple. I'm just trying to make it simple. But the point I'm making, too, and I think there's another translation that says this even better, but to whom much is given, much will be required. So when we talk about these things, then you're you're supposed to take those things and let them compute and filter into your thinking. Okay, now I remember what Pastor Jacob said Sunday, and I'm going to make a part to make this a part of my life and to judge myself so that I can partake more cleanly and fully of my healing. And if there's anything in my life, you know, if I were you, I'd be asking God to show you. If not right now while I'm preaching, when you get home, take some time and pray about it. And say, Father, is there anything in my life that I'm doing that's dishonoring you or displeasing you or something that you dealt with me about? If, you, if it's something you dealt with you about, I'm sure he'll remind you. And if it's something you're just not doing because you don't want to do it, then you need to repent. Because that's going to be a barrier. To him that knows the right thing to do and doesn't do it, to him it's sin. Now, I always tell the new members that come through the new members class, I used to not, but I do now. I said, now, you're welcome to come. You're welcome to come nominally, you know, minimally, or come completely. But just remember, you'll never be where the people are that come every service in my church if you only come Sunday morning. Or if you hit and miss we'll lose you because we're, we're moving ahead constantly and you're only hitting bits and pieces. And maybe what you needed is when you slept in that day or watched TV or you didn't think it was important enough to come. Whatever. Just talking. See, to whom much is given, much is required. Still talking about this in a minute. So I don't want to put anybody under bondage. I don't do that anyway. Only, only, go, only the, yourself would do that. Let's go to 1 John 1, look at a verse here that helps us about this sin issue that we don't want to forget. We want to roll this into our thinking, of course. Uh, 1 John chapter 1 and verse 6, starting with verse 6, If we say that we have fellowship with him 
and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. So he's saying, now, if we say we have fellowship with God, but we're walking contrary to that, uh, we're lying. And then he says in verse 7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, as God is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. That's us and God and also one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, based on verse 6, he's not talking about drumming up something in your life that's not even there. But if you say you walk in the light and walk in darkness, then, then there's sin there. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. See, you can deceive yourself. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In other words, if we ask God to forgive us of anything that we are doing or not doing that we should do, or we're doing something we know not to do, either way, you know, whatever they call that, but you ask God to forgive you, He will cleanse you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He'll put you back in right standing with Himself. That's the key to it, living free of sin. And you can get to the place, you know, we know from First John, another passage, I think it's chapter 5, I'll look, you can look with me if you want, First John chapter 5, this is as we mature in God, in verse 18, we know that whosoever, you with me, First John 5, 18, we know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not, and that really, the Greek says, he doesn't habitually make a practice out of sin. You know, sometimes you could just have a bad day, an off day, be negative, do something, say something. I don't know. You could just do a lot of things, and so could I. Uh, but that doesn't mean I'm practicing sinning. I might step out of line in some area and say, God, forgive me. God, forgive me for saying that or thinking that or whatever. Okay. But we know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not, doesn't make a, a habit of practicing sin. But he that is begotten of God keeps himself... That's you and me. And that wicked one, that's the devil, toucheth him not. You can get to the place where the evil one can't even touch you. So he has no authority to put stuff on you unless you gave him, again, a cause or a door. You know, remember, I think it's in 1 Corinthians 16, about verse 9. Uh, An open door has been opened to me, Paul says, and there are many adversaries. <laughs> yeah. So every time you sometimes have an open door... God's helping you go through it. Sometimes there's other resistance that comes from the devil, from evil powers, evil spirits, and different things that will try to come against you and be an adversary to you. And you have to deal with those and deal with them effectively. Are you still here? Am I making sense? Okay, I'm not saying you're living in sin, but if there is something, sin is an issue and it opens the door for the curse. That's what we're saying, aren't we? Yeah, if we say we have fellowship with him, then we're out walking in darkness. <laughs> Hello. Yeah. I had I you know, I know you just wouldn't believe this, but I had a person in my church that worked somewhere and uh, somebody told me in the law enforcement that that person was on the internet watching porn sites. And that's all I'm gonna say about that. So I brought him in, me and Sean to question him about it and ask him about it. You got anything you need to say to us? Anything you need to confess? Or anything that you want help with? I mean, we said it so many ways you'd have to have been deaf, dumb, and blind. I forget it. And he still refused to owe up to it. He's under investigation. Now, see, you know, just sitting in my church, I wouldn't think you're out looking at porn, typically. But then, you know, I'm not that naive anymore. After several people have done that to me over a period of time, and even a few people that I would have never dreamed of. See, that's where you get off in your head. Just you just got to be led of the Spirit, and you've got to just keep your own backyard clean. Okay, I'm just talking to you here. Not everybody's doing nasty stuff, but uh, sometimes you just got to keep your own backyard clean. You keep yourself, and the wicked one will not be able to touch you. I'm preaching pretty good for just talking about this a little bit. And and so let's remember, in the blood of Jesus is all the forgiveness and cleansing you'll ever need. So if you're sincere, even if you don't maybe 
you don't maybe fully understand, but you sense there's a heaviness about you, well, then I would go pray about that and say, Father, what is that that seems to be harassing me on the inside? And if it's something you need to take care of by rebuking something, that's one thing. But if it's other things in your life that you're letting the enemy in, see, you may be allowing him to get in to cause sickness, disease, depression, confusion, different things like that. You know, and sometimes some of us started out great, and some of you started out great, but you've waned. Yeah, I, I perceive that in some of you. You really, when you first started coming to church, oh my God, this is great, I've never heard anything like this. Well, but then after three, four, five years, you are different, your kids are different. I notice your kids going a different way, going a secular way. They're not so spiritual. You're not so spiritual as you used to be. Yeah. I don't know what's the matter with you. Something's got a hold of you. It's not God. It's not me. And I'm trying to help you get out of all that stuff. Because eventually, I know where that's going. You're going to bang your head in the wall, and your kids are going to end up on the trash heap of life. When you put other things above spiritual things, it always does that. It always does that. I've been in this 41 years, and it always does it. I don't wish for that to happen. I'm trying to divert it from happening. That's why I'm teaching this. I'm trying to help everybody. Remember what I'm going to teach at the end of the year? Having a pioneering spirit about you. That means you're going to have to get on fire for God. going to have to be some fire in you again, some, some, some up in you. And if you don't have it, we'll put it in you if you come. That's not for this service. I'm talking about how to how to get out of sickness and disease. Hallelujah. And when you teach your kids it's not important to come midweek, shame on you. I know some of you be knocking on my door eventually with your kids all messed up and because you've caused it, Mom and Dad. It's your problem. Not my problem. It's, I will help if I can, but I need the help of parents in the home. Brother Sean and I have talked about this many times. We can't do what only a parent can do. I don't have discipline in your home. I mean, what I mean, authority to come in there and tell you how to run it. I mean, I can show you from the Bible how to do it, but unless you do that, then there's going to be issues. All right. Praise the Lord. I'm trying to help you. Let's talk a little bit about this a minute. I, I, I think I can cover this in my a lot of time, and I've got four or five other issues, but I want to get to this one here. First Chronicles... 16. Let's go to 1 Chronicles 16 and, and look at verse 21 and 22. I want to talk to you a little bit, not that I'm intimidated, not that I think you're doing that, but I'd like to keep this out of your thinking, to talk bad about me, to act bad about me, to imply something perhaps to other people about me that you don't know anything about. And in fact, some of you, you know, you're, you can be borderline lying. So I'm just going to show you it always ends in sickness and disease when you come against the leadership. Now, I'm talking primarily about me, but some of you fell out with Sean about stuff years ago. And he ain't never been normal since. Others of you fell out with Donna. You better make that right. Sickness may be knocking on your door today because you're talking bad against leadership. I ask these people to work for me. I pay them. I believe in them. I trust them or I wouldn't have them around me. So if you've got a problem with them, you've got a problem with me. That's all I'm going to say. And you better get it straight. Well, I don't like coming here no more. Well, go somewhere else where you can stay sick all you want. Nobody will challenge you down the road sometime. They'll challenge you to come. Do the bells at Christmas. I'm all. I'm not against bell playing, but that won't help you when it comes to what I'm talking about. All right, I'm trying to help you now. Let's look at it here. First Chronicles 16, 21 and 22. He suffered no man. He suffered. No, he allowed no man to do them wrong. That's his people. Yea, he reproved kings for their sakes, saying, and particularly this is what he said, Touch not mine anointed, and do my prophets no harm. So in particular there, he's not talking just in general terms, but he's talking about leadership. And God says, I reprove kings for the leadership's sake, the ones who love me and the ones who are, have the plan of God.
God, the ones who are moving things forward and stuff, and said, uh, he said, he suffered no man to do them wrong, yea, he reproved kings for their sakes, saying, touch not my anointed, do my prophets no harm. And you know, I've been borderline on this. I'm being honest with you, and I had to repent over this when I was studying it this week. Because I've made some comments. I didn't always use people's names, but I sure blasted them down the road. And I'm just going to stop that. Even though I'm right, I'm still going to stop it because I'm not right if I'm doing this. See what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, I'm right theologically what I'm teaching, and they're not. But I can't, I, that's none of my business. That's between them and the Lord. Hopefully they'll get it together before they die. Hallelujah. All right, so let's look at some passages here. First of all, let's go to 1 Kings, uh, 1 Kings 13, and look at this passage. I want to give some examples of where this took place at in the Bible so we could see. Uh, and I don't mean people are just mean about me. I don't mean that you're... But you know, if you're not careful, you can... You, I, as the leader, I make decisions. And Jordan kids me because I say I make thousands of decisions every day. I don't know if I make thousands, but I make a lot. And it affects everything around here. But you know, you're, don't be second-guessing me. Nobody puts you in charge of me. I'm supposed to be in charge of you of being the leader. So if you're sitting around a coffee table, sitting around having dinner with your family or your kids, and you're telling your kids what you think I didn't do right, you're demeaning me in front of them and not allowing the anointing on my life to even salvage them. Because after a while, they'll get a bad attitude. Whether they tell you they have one or not, it's not the issue. they got one. Because you've created it. All right, I'm just trying to help. I just don't want to see people get sick. For no reason. Again, I'm being as sweet as I can be. Keep your nose out of other people's business. I haven't done anything anything wrong. The leadership knows what I do. I mean, what I mean is we talk about things here, you know, and things like that. Done the best I can to lead this church for all these years now. I haven't been perfect, but I've done my best. I made mistakes, and I repented over that, and I swore I would, wouldn't repeat the same thing. Hallelujah. 1 Kings 13, verse 1. Behold, there came a man of God out of Judah by the word of the Lord unto Bethel, and Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. Now, Jeroboam was a king, and he cried against the altar in the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus saith the Lord, Behold, a child shall be born unto the house of David, Josiah by name. This is the, this is the man of God speaking. And upon thee shall he offer the priest, of the high places that burn incense upon thee, and men's bones shall be burned upon thee, and he'll give a sign the same day, saying, This is the sign which the Lord has spoken. Behold, the altar shall be rent, and the ashes that are upon it shall be poured out. And it came to pass, when King Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God, which had cried against the altar in Bethel, that he put forth his hand from the altar, saying, Lay hold on him. Lay hold on this man of God. Let me find my place here. And his hand, which he put forth against him, against the man of God, dried up, and he couldn't pull it in again. He, his arm shriveled up on him. He said, get a hold of him, and all of a sudden his arm just shriveled up. He couldn't He couldn't even put it, pull it back, he said. And it says, and the altar was rent, and the ashes poured out on from the altar according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. And the king answered and said unto the man of God, entreat now the face of the Lord your God, and pray for me that my hand may be restored to me again. And the man of God besought the Lord and said, Good enough for you, keep your sickness. No, he didn't. He said he, the man of God prayed, and the king's hand was restored unto him again, and it became as it was before. But you see, when a man came against a, a, a man of God over his prophetic word, the king didn't like it. And he thought he was just hot rod around there, baby. Get this guy all of a sudden, his hand became withered. I mean, God wasn't pleased with that. How many can see that? God took his hand of protection off that king. You know, you could just say he's just a big mouth. And he's wondering if it just didn't fall over dead. We're going to find some other places where it was more severe. But anyway, here the man of God was merciful to him and said, Father, restore his arm to him. I don't think he'll fool with me again. He didn't say that, but I'm getting that, reading that into that. Hallelujah. All right. Let's go to Second Chronicles 26. Or 
Are you learning anything? Second Chronicles 26. We're not mad at anybody. I don't, I'm not accusing you of anything. I'm just trying to understand how to keep you out of uh, problems. And, you know, I've been in a lot of churches over the years, both to preach and also as a member. And I'm thinking of one church I was a part of. And, I mean, those elders, they every one of them just, oh, my gosh. They were all great teachers. But they sure were bickering. of somebody else having more authority than them, somebody da-da-da-da-da-da-da. You know, it's just a childish nonsense. And these are people 50 years old or older, been in church 30 years. Oh, my gosh. Just talking to us here. Just talking a minute here. So I determined, oh, my God, I'm going to keep my mouth off of this. I enjoyed my pastor. He was a good man. He was elected to be the pastor there, and I received him as my pastor at that time in my life. I didn't receive the rest of the elders as pastors because they weren't. Hallelujah. But I knew some stuff that went on behind the scenes. You remember, I remember me telling you about First Baptist back in, in my early years when I was they put me on the youth committee, and I attended a meeting one night. They asked me to. I didn't try to butt in on it. I didn't really want to be there. But they said, you need to come because you're, you know, over the youth now. And I got in there, and the, and the deacons almost fighting each other, almost fist fighting each other over the janitor's pay. I couldn't believe it. These were men that always seemed to be so uh, spiritual to me. You know, when I went to church, because we just saw them standing against the back wall, you know, like this or whatever, and of course it was a deacon-possessed church, so you know they thought they run everything, they're big dog on the track, but they got in that room and they act like a bunch of little kids. I was shocked. I was mad. I came home mad. I told Diana, I said, my God, I don't know if I ever want to go back to another meeting like that. They practically went to blows in the meeting over a couple extra bucks for the janitor. What's the matter with those and they're all successful businessmen in their own right. Make good money, drive a nicer car than the pastor. I mean, I could go on and on with this. See, it's no wonder that churches never get anywhere because of this attitude that I'm sharing with you. Like I was going through the parking lot one time, and there were two adult male men. Not They didn't carry the mail. They were male. And they, they were walking along, and they said, Look at the preacher's car and see what he's doing with our tithes. He had new tires on his car. And, and I, that just stuck with me. You know, I still remember it. I was just a little kid then, maybe 12, 13 years old. I thought, did the preacher steal the money to buy tires for his car? Well, he didn't. He didn't, but that was their perception. See, their perception, and they probably never even realized, they probably buried some of their family members over stuff like that. Here we are in Second Chronicles 26. I'm just about done. Hang on to me just a minute. Verse 16. When he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. This is a king, and he was strong, but his heart was he was in pride and arrogance, for he transgressed against the Lord his God and went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. And Azariah the priest went in after him, and with him fourscore priests, eighty priests that were valiant men. These were men of great courage and strength. And they followed the king in there because the king was going to offer incense, and that was not his anointing, not his job. Only the priests who were ordained to do that were supposed to do that. Maybe you never thought of that. People say, well, why does he get to do that? I don't get to do that. Well, see, that's none of your business. See, that's the same attitude here. And then they, in verse 18, they withstood Uzziah the king and said to him, it appertains not unto you, it doesn't pertain to you, Uzziah, to burn incense unto the Lord, but to the priests, the sons of Aaron, that are consecrated to burn incense. Go out of the sanctuary, for thou hast trespassed, neither shall it be for your honor from the Lord God. And Uzziah was mad and had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And while he was mad with the priests or the leadership, the leprosy even rose up in his forehead before the priest in the house of the Lord from beside the 
incense altar, and Azariah the chief priest and all the priests looked upon him. Behold, he was a leper in his forehead, and they thrust him out from thence. Yea, himself hasted also to go out, because the Lord had smitten him. And Uzziah the king was a leper until the day of his death, and dwelt in a different house. He didn't dwell in the king's quarters anymore, being a leper, for he was cut off from the house of the Lord. And Jotham, his son, was over the king's house, judging the people of the land. He lived the rest of his life a leper because of it. God judged him. See, sometimes we just get weird about, you know, getting intruding into other things that were none of our business. And it's 12 o'clock. Well, we can give, you know, remember Numbers 12, you could just write that down. You know, when uh, Miriam, the prophetess, and the brother of Aaron, the brother of Moses, and her and Aaron, they, they, they got mad at Moses because he married a black woman. He had to eventually. Ethiopian. Ethiopian. And the races were much more pure back then. I'm sure she was black. And they said, well, what gives you the right to do that? And the Lord said, I want to talk to her. You bring them out to talk to me, God said to Moses. He brought them out and said, I'm going to make leprosy come on to Miriam because she opened her big mouth. And and, and she got leprosy just instantly. And, and Moses cried out, being merciful, the leader. He said, Lord, heal her right now. He said, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to make her have leprosy for at least seven days to teach everybody else in the congregation to chill their jets and not be talking bad against you and the leadership of this movement here. And she was already a prophetess and leader of praise and worship. And Aaron was the high priest, and we don't see any judgment coming on him right then, and I wondered about that, and I heard Benny Hinn teach it one time. And the day that they took the garments off of Aaron to put the new high priest in, he just died instantly right there. They took that coat off of him. Judgment fell on him right then. Killed him on the spot. See, you just can't play with these things. I'm not mad at anybody. If you've been talking about me, repent. But just remember, judgment comes for things you, you talk about that's none of your concern. The same for me. So, you know, I've already repented. told you when I studied this out, I, God, forgive me. I hope I didn't use anybody's name. Maybe occasionally I have. Forgive me. I don't want to put anything on anybody that I shouldn't have said. It'd be all right to use a, a comment but never use a person's name or whatever. Did you get anything out of this? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I said praise the Lord. Now, this is good, solid teaching today. I hope you appreciated it. Let's all stand up together.